Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Halfway home on the Thursday edition of Sabres Live. Yes, Thursday. So we are blessed with an early appearance from Shana Goldman of The Athletic. Hi, Shana. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, we've had more to talk about in the last 24 hours because of a couple of, uh, you know, first overall picks and signings in Austin Matthews and Alexi Lafreniere. Um, What do you make of both those deals for the Leafs and Rangers, respectively? All right, so we can go a little more boring first in this Lafreniere contract. Um, It is the smallest contract we've seen a first overall pick get as their second contract, right? And there's good reason for it. You know, some of it's self-inflicted, him not living up to his potential, but a lot of it has to do with the team and the position he's been in. He hasn't had that chance to thrive. His development hasn't been prioritized. So it doesn't make sense for him to commit to some contract now that he could, you know, ideally outplay in the next couple of years. And the team doesn't have the money at this point. You know, he's a third liner to them. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I think it's a fine deal for now, but it's obviously nothing flashy or huge, right? Let me ask you this. When it comes to offer sheet, what would be the most that the Rangers would have said, ah, I'm going to walk away? Because he would have been in that second round pick tier, right? From 2.1 to 4.2 million, like the compensation would have been a second rounder, which is not a lot considering it's, you know, uh, Lafreniere and maybe he can burst up. But would, would 4 million been too much for the Rangers or even too much to give Lafreniere is 3.5 would have been too much? Where would have been the, the cutoff for that? I think 3.25 they could have tried to match. But no matter what, if they went anything over the contract they just signed, they would have had to move someone out. So I would imagine it's a Barkley or Drow type player that they try to get, you know, to clear the cap. The 4 million range might have pushed it for them because, honestly, he's third on the depth chart on the left side if he sticks there. You have Kreider and Panarin ahead of him. They're not, you know, getting rid of either one of them. And then, obviously, there's the opening on the right side, but there's no clarity if he can play there because every time they've given him a shot, they've moved him off of it. So I think that 4 million range would have really pushed them because not only are you trying to make the space for someone you don't know if you want to bet on in that capacity, you're losing someone else in the process. Uh, I think they could have afforded to lose someone else in the process and kind of clear some of their depth out because they have this offseason. They really went for those cheaper signings that they needed to balance out the books. But, you know, it, it's a tough one if there's any term attached to it, unless they go the, you know, Kakaniemi route where it's one year at four million. That I think that I could have seen them going for. So what do you make of the Matthews deal and its impact on the league at large? I wanted it to have more impact. I wanted it to be this you know, landscape changing contract because in 
the current NHL world, stars are underpaid. And I know it sounds like, you know, it it, it sounds like a, a total load of garbage, right? Because $13 million shouldn't be underpaid, especially next year when you set to be the highest paid player in the league. But the fact of the matter is the system currently isn't for star players. It's overpaying depth players and having to lose, you know, high-end talent because you can't afford them because you messed up how you should, you know, structure your salary when the priority should be having this expensive core and then figuring out a way to have supplemental talent around them that you can clearly interchange and not overpay. So he could have pushed for more on that. It's a win for the Leafs that he's at $13 million somehow. But the interesting part of it is the four-year term. And I think this was really smart by Matthews because, you know, why commit to something now when the cap is obviously going to grow in four years? So you shortchange yourself in that respect. The other intriguing element of it is the fact that Connor McDavid will be up for a new contract the year before. So that might be precedent setting for what a, you know, franchise caliber 1C is worth around the 30-year-old range. Because if McDavid brings uh, breaks the bank, which he didn't do on his last contract when he seriously could have, you know, Matthews could say, well, I want more than that. A step above in cap hit percentage, just as he did with McKinnon on this deal. That's the cap hit percentage idea that we discussed earlier in the show. So McDavid was at 15%. McKinnon is at 15.1%. Matthews jumps to 15.8%. Is that because the cap stayed relatively flat the last few years or is 15.8 now the number that everybody's going to say, well, we got to get 16% of the cap <laughs> now because Matthews got 15.8. It's not just the money, but the percentage is a big part of that too. Yeah, it could have been, you know, the incoming cap growth that everybody knows is going to jump next year. So there's a little bit more of the pie to go for. Um, and that could have been like the middle ground because he could have pushed for even more 16, 17%. He could have done that. He didn't. You know, so I think that's the intriguing part of it. I would say other stars should now say 15.8 is the number, but unfortunately they've already locked themselves to these terrible long-term contracts that they can't. Like who, you know, is in that tier with Matthews that could push for that? There really aren't many, but maybe someone like Elias Pettersson could say 15% isn't that unreasonable if you think I'm your franchise caliber elite first line center that you need to be the difference maker game in and game out. That 15% range or that 14% range might make sense because you have a higher ceiling than you did before. What do you think Pedersen's going to do and then get from Vancouver? Um, because the NHL is very bland and boring. I think he's going to go max term when I'd love to see him push for a shorter term deal and benefit himself a little bit more. But since he's coming off of that shorter term deal now, I guess this is the time for the long term contract. I can't see him coming in anywhere below, you know, 11 million. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of my expectation. I don't expect him to get the McDavid money. I don't expect him to get Matthews money. And that's fine. Few players deserve and have earned that I think he's the tier below you know the McKinnons of the world right there but I look at the Sebastian Ajo contract and go is that something he could match and you know he's someone sure. that they should be breaking the bank for he's the one player they should him and Quinn Hughes are the two players I should say they should be breaking the bank for it's not his fault that they messed up with the JT Miller contract and he shouldn't have to pay for that uh, no and uh, let me just okay. say this for those who've yeah. forgotten and Marty that's probably you and me included um, amidst all the crap last year for Vancouver Pedersen had a 102 point season and yeah. so I I really think 120 is not out of reach for this guy and so I'm really intrigued to see how Vancouver ends up having to navigate this because we all know what their you know contract situation has been recently they're still right up there at the top of the league and hey when 
when he had some of his breakout games last year, you know, we spent the entirety of the show pretty much talking about how good this kid is. And I, I think he really has a chance to take it to the next level. So there's my opinion you, for the you day. Could see it, you could see it the way it is, uh, Duffer. You could say Vancouver was supposed to fix their cap situation the last year and a half, two years, and they haven't done so, and they're still in trouble with their cap. That's basically what's going on, and that's going to affect Elias Patterson. Uh, Shana, I, we mentioned the percentage, like top forward, 15%, now 15.8%. Are we going to see a defenseman getting to 15%? Because right now, like the top defensemen are 11 to 13%. And I'm thinking of Rasmus Dahlin. If he was to sign at 12% of the cap right now, or next year, like let's say 85 million cap, 12% would be 10.2 million on average. Is is 12% a, a big number for a defenseman when it comes to the cap? Can they push to 13 or 14? Yeah, you know, we haven't seen the defenseman hit some of the levels of centers. And it feels like that's always been the priority for a team. If you're a right-handed defenseman or a number one center, you're going to get paid. Left-handed defensemen apparently aren't as important because they're easier to find. Who's to say? <laughs> but, you know, like we know that there's tiers within positions. And the Kale McCars of the world and the Adam Foxes and the Charlie McAvoys, they're all paid very well. They're all in that, you know, $9 million range. But with the cap growth, you can definitely push for that 10 million range. And that cap hit percentage, I think, will be pretty equal. I don't think they're ever going to reach the heights unless you're the next coming of Nick Lidstrom, literally the most generational player in the world. And Eric Carlson in his prime in today's game when stars are getting paid a little bit more, you know, they're not getting to those levels and that's okay. Um, Otherwise, because like there does need to be a bar, right? There needs to be a bar that only the very, very, very elite, only the proven difference makers of the world that everybody would kill to have gets this level of that 15%. But I don't see anything wrong with going for, you know, 10 million, 11 million for Darlene. He's young. He's going to be in his prime for this contract. He's really good. And, you know, as the team improves around him, you expect him to only get better as well. What kind of feedback did you get from one of your most recent articles? 10 lessons the NHL could take from other leagues to improve the game. You know what? It's kind of funny because sometimes you do get the, the league doesn't need to be more player player centric comments. This is a team sport and things like that. And to anyone that says that, I honestly, you're the fans that the league does not need to market to. You're the ones that are going to be there forever. So your opinion, I'm just kind of like, okay, boomer, that's fine. Whatever. Um, the one that the two that always I think are the big hits are staggering the schedule. And it's not just the timings on a night because some people don't want that 730 game start. And I understand it, but it's balancing mm-hmm. the days of the week. But the biggest hit has to be that red zone, you know, available streaming service it has to be streaming too. We need to have more, you know, accessible streams, yes. right? Part of the ESPN package. Even if you have to pay more, just like you do for Red Zone, this is this moment that you can watch a little bit of everything. And yes, you don't have the benefit of football where you can't say, well, the game, you know, is going towards the Red Zone right now. We can flash to it. We anticipate a score to happen. But for power plays and, you know, odd man situations, you obviously can. And if not, it's delayed. You show the minute leading up to it. There's mm-hmm. such a moment to do a weekly special like a Saturday night when the schedule is packed and have that play in bars because people want to see goals and that's how you attract new fans. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, that's that's all good. That's all really, really, really good uh, things. I think in red zone works well for football. Hockey is different, but last minute of games, last minute and a half of games, and if your games are staggered, well, they're not all in the last minute and a half of game at the same time with the score two two or down a goal. So yeah. I think that's important. Um, quickly, I know U.S. Open week is upon us, and that's a big tournament in, in New York City, and you'll be watching. 
What did you make of Novak Djokovic's many locker room retreats in his final against Carlos Alcaraz in Cincinnati? I was thinking of you, Shana. I think you'd be yelling at your TV, but uh, he apparently wasn't breaking the rules and he ended up winning. But what did you think of the Joker going to the bathroom as often as he did? I think that if it's a rule that everybody has to scrape for, there's kind of a problem. I think if it was someone like Tispas, there would have been a little more uproar. And we know that just as he does it, where he needs that long bathroom retreat to reset himself, we know Djokovic has done that when he struggled in matches, that he's done it throughout his career, really, you know, to try to set the pace for himself a little bit differently. So it was no surprise that he's done it here. Um, I I get it with the heat, but I think that's a rule that should have been made clear to everybody. I still think there should have been a little bit more of a time limit. limit. I don't know why sometimes like he is, you know, above the rules. I get it if you're a player of his caliber, but guess what? You have the next gen across from him who's going to be a player of that caliber and he's not breaking any rules. So I didn't love it. I was well, on my screen. He almost broke his hand. Carlos almost broke his hand. He was so mad. He, yeah. he slapped the cooler and then he had to get his finger tape because it was like swollen up like a, a balloon. Like Carlos was so mad. He almost broke his own hand. What, what's the NHL equivalent stall tactic? Oh, uh, throwing someone, I guess, in the face off dot, you know, won't take it. So you can just keep getting tossed and get a second of rest after an icing, maybe. How about Mark? this one? John Tortorella yelling at Henrik Lundqvist, Hank, strap, strap. And all of a sudden, Hank was like, oh, my strap is undone. He's undoing his straps and then he's redoing his strap or his mask. Like Hank They're throwing off the, the mask, top, yep. strap of his mask. And then yeah. he would pull his mask out and fix his hair and put a little water and fix his hair. <laughs> and it was all coming from Torts. But Torts got caught one day. And then Torts came to me and was like, Marty, you're in charge. When I wave at you, tell Hank to take his mask off because they know I'm doing it. So I was in charge of, of telling Lundqvist to slow the game down because uh, our defensive system was blocking shots and sometimes game like players needed a break. So that was a stall tactic. Love it. Uh, we are getting closer. We're less than a month away from Prospects Challenge. As far as the tennis fans in our audience, the U.S. Open main draw begins on Monday, the 28th of August, running through September 10th. Shana, thank you. As always, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Shana Goldman from The Athletic will wrap Sabres live right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.